Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You can now support Ghost Maps on Patreon. Simply look for We Are Huntu or click the link in the description. Ghost Maps is hosted on Libsyn. Get up to two months of free podcast hosting for your show from Libsyn with the promo code HANTU. Check out the description for more details. Ghost Maps. Entry 74. Gymkhana Avenue, Singapore. Alan's childhood friend Mervyn died last month. It wasn't from any supernatural causes. He had just been battling an illness for far, far too long. I had asked Alan last week if he wanted to postpone our meeting. After all, sharing stories about creatures and spirits isn't what most people want to do so soon after losing someone. But Alan had insisted on keeping our meeting. I asked him why, as we take our seats at the Spotong Passe Café. Mervyn's a part of this story. He says, So is another ex-classmate of mine, a guy named Christopher. Alan explains that he'd had a falling out with Christopher a few years ago. Fifteen years of friendship, seemingly over for good, all because of one misunderstanding. The former friends had both tried to reach out to each other since, but pride and circumstance always got in the way. It took Mervyn dying to finally reunite us, to remind us of better times, Alan says, a faraway expression passing over his face for a moment. I just wanted to share a piece of those better times with someone else. He continues, pauses, and adds with a laugh, even if this story involves a different kind of visit to a cemetery. I tell him that I'm happy to listen as I take out my recorder and ask him to start from the beginning. It was October 2004. Alan was 16 at the time and in the midst of the biggest exam of his life thus far. Instead of studying, however, he would hang out in his classroom after school with three of his closest friends. There was Mervyn and Christopher and another friend named Darren. We weren't exactly the most studious bunch, obviously. Alan chuckles. Unsurprisingly, the four of them bonded over being the least academically inclined of their class. 
in a school that prided itself on being one of the top in the country, it was that bond that Alan treasured more than anything else. One Thursday during this time, at around 4pm, a teacher passed by the room and peeked in. This teacher, whom Alan only refers to as Mr. Tan, asked the four boys what they were doing. He wanted to know what was so important that it took precedence over your studies, Alan says, rolling his eyes. He wasn't a bad guy, that Mr. Tan, just a real condescending prick. Mervyn didn't rise to Mr. Tan's snarkiness, though. As Alan tells it, that was just who his friend was. Generally a sweet guy. But when push came to shove, he was boldly straightforward. Without missing a beat, or even looking in the teacher's direction, Mervyn responded plainly, ghost stories, obviously. The boys had been sharing accounts of a spirit that they had heard would roam the school halls at night. Accounts shared by older students that had been passed down to them by their seniors. Tales, more likely than not, made up to scare each other. Oh, those stories, Mr. Tan said, with a dismissive laugh when Darren related to him some of the ones he'd heard. The teacher started to head out when he paused for a second and considered the four friends. He then looked around cautiously before leaning in and whispering, If you really want to see something, there's a Pontianak at the cemetery, particularly along Gymkhana Avenue. Mr. Tan then winked at them and left the classroom. He must have known what we're going to do, Alan says. But how could we resist? Boys, said Christopher, let's go catch us a Pontianak. The cemetery that Mr. Tan was referring to was Bukit Brown. It was a half-hour walk from the boys' school. Alan doesn't remember much about that walk. He remembers that it was a humid day, sure, but the only other thing he can recall was the laughter of his closest friends. He doesn't remember what they were laughing about, but he says that it doesn't even really matter. All that mattered was how happy they were. He does remember, however, reaching an entrance to the cemetery at Mount Pleasant Drive. There was this ominous overgrowth of bamboos, I I think, that formed an arch, which led to the cemetery, he says. As they pass through the arch, Alan remembers feeling a chill. It struck him as odd, considering the weather, but he didn't have time to dwell on it. Come on, guys, Mervyn yelled, as he led the friends onwards. Alan says that they walked past Mount Pleasant Road towards Andrew Road. 
He wants to say that they appreciated the rich history of the place, that they gave these old resting grounds the reverence that they deserve. Instead, he concedes apologetically. We started hurling vulgarities when we didn't see anything. I smile and reassure him that a lot of my interviewees are embarrassed at how disrespectful they were in their youth. Alan says that he understands, of course, but it still doesn't excuse their behavior. And it seems whatever was lurking in the cemetery agreed. As the group made their way back to Mount Pleasant, they stumbled upon a dead miner along the stretch that ran parallel to Jim Connor Avenue. The bird had its intestines ripped out. I knew, I just knew that whatever had killed it did it so angrily, Alan says. The group joked and laughed that the plan of insulting the creature was working. But clearly, the others shared Alan's concern. Near the miner's body was a small path that forked into two directions. One side led back towards a mosque closer to the east of the cemetery. The other took them into a heavily forested area. Darren suggested that they head into the forested area, give it one last shot, then head off. He tried to hide the fear in his voice. But everyone heard it, though. But we were 16, and none of us wanted to be the first to chicken out, Alan says. Since Darren had suggested this path, he took point. A sense of relief radiated among the four friends when after five minutes of tracking, they hadn't seen anything as ominous as the dead bird. But then Darren stopped suddenly. In front of him was a very large old tree. It dwarfed the other trees, not just because of its size, but because it seemed to swallow what little light penetrated the area's canopy. And on the bark of the tree were claw marks. No one said it, but everyone thought the same thing. Whatever had killed the bird made these marks. And that is when they heard footsteps behind them. The group spun around, looking left and right in panic. The footsteps sounded like they belonged to a person, someone who was barefoot. Whoever or whatever it was, though, it took its time. It didn't run or rush initially, yet somehow it seemed to surround the boys. It was stalking them. It seemed to keep its distance at first. But then Mervyn yelled out, 
Hey, we're not scared of you, okay? I looked at him like, dude, what the hell? Alan says. But it was too late. The creature rushed towards them, its footsteps growing louder and louder, as loud as the beat of their hearts. The group ran back the way they came. I never once looked back, Alan says. But I noticed the shadows that the canopy of trees cast upon us. Amidst those shadows, Alan saw the unmistakable silhouette of a woman in a long dress with long hair flying right above them. We ran and we ran and we ran and somehow we found ourselves near the mosque on the east side, Alan tells me. There were some worshippers leaving the mosque as the boys came scrambling out of nowhere. The worshippers all looked at us like we were a bunch of idiots, Alan says. Then adds with a laugh, and they were right. For years, the group would tell that story to anyone who'd listen. They'd talk about how they were all scared out of their minds, even though they put on a brave front. They'd talk about the sheer stupidity of their plan to coax out the creature by taunting it, and how stupid they were to even go look for it in the first place. They'd even talk about how Mr. Tan, upon finding out what had happened, had confessed that he'd never dared to brave the cemetery. And then one day, after harsh words were said and friendships were broken, they never told that story again. This is the first time since that I've told that story, actually, Alan says, a wistfulness creeping into his tone. I give him a moment or two and ask him what he thinks Mervyn would say if he knew that he was finally telling the story again. His expression looks like it's about to take a somber turn. And he looks over my shoulder and waves. And I turn to see two other men waving back. Christopher and Darren, I presume. Alan turns his attention back to me and smiles. What will Mervyn say? He asks. Then, without missing a beat, he adds, He'd say, Awesome, bro. Alan gets up, says his farewells, and heads off with his old friends. If you want to discover more of Southeast Asia's other side, subscribe now and follow us on social media. You can also be one of our supporters on Patreon. Look for We Are Huntu or click the links in the description. Ghost Maps is a Huntu production. Created by Kyle Ong and Wayne Ray. 
with art direction by Jolene Lim and recorded on Audio-Technica Mics.